Live and local, this is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Welcome into a Friday edition of the Jordy Holberg Show. I'm Blaine Vietar, filling in once again for the Blonde Bomber himself, who's enjoying himself a nice vacation. We've had a great time all week, and we're here to finish it in style. My man James Mesh behind the glass is going to keep us all in line and make sure we get to all the fun topics that we have planned for you guys today. At 2.30, TJ Penninger is going to join us. He's of the Double Fries No Slaw podcast of the Rolled Up Network. For the Florida State Seminoles, he's going to give us their side of the story on how they line up going into their matchup against Duquesne tomorrow and better yet, how they're going to look in just nine days when they face off against the Tigers inside the Superdome. At 3.30, Mike Scarborough is going to join us, and we're going to talk all things LSU. See if we can get even more insight to the quarterback battle. Is it going to be Nussmeyer? Is it going to be Daniels? And how the rest of the team is feeling leading up to that big matchup against the Knowles. Of course, we want to take your phone calls. Get hit us up at the game hotline at 337-706-0111. And, oh, by the way, if you want to see our beautiful faces, if you're here in the Acadiana area, you can always watch us on the Simulcast Stadium 32.3 and on 133LUS Fiber. Boy, still a lot to, to unpack as we head into college football season, and we want to hear from you when it comes to LSU's running game. About a week ago when the news broke that, you know, John Emery was going to miss two additional ball games from his suspension that really went the whole season last year for academic reasons, still two games left to serve. So, okay, he's going to miss the opener and second week game for the Tigers this year. Let a lot of questions go on. Who's going to be that Tigers running back when they open the season? But I want to know long-term how you feel about LSU and their running game. When the season's all said and done, who do you feel will be LSU's leading rusher in 2022? Will it be John Emery after missing two games? Will it be Noah Kane or Monty Goodwin? Or how about Jaden Daniels? If he gets to start at quarterback, we know he likes to use those wheels to not only extend plays, but make plays down the field. So could it be him who's the leading rusher? You can head all over head on over to the Twitter machine at Game Louisiana and get in on the action and vote. So far, this afternoon, you guys made it loud and clear. Noah Kane is your guy, leading right now with 50% of the votes. John Emery with 25 and Armani Goodwin with 25% as well. Noah Kane looks the part. He looks like a featured back, a bell cow back. The guy that you want to see touch the football 25 or 30 times a game. That's not what you're going to see. That's not the style of offense that LSU is going to run. I, I don't think we'll see anybody get that type of carries, but I also think he's the best in pass protection. And that's going to be big for Coach Brian Kelly's offense as they get going early in the season, no matter who the quarterback is, right? If it's going to be a very inexperienced Garrett Nussmeyer, they're going to need that assistance in pass protection. And also, 
if it's going to be Jaden Daniels trying to use his wheels to make plays down the field, a little extra support will be nice to have the help. We're going to head on out to the game hotline to start the show and bring on my guy, T. T, how goes it on this Friday afternoon? I'm doing great, Blaine. Yourself? Oh, can't complain, man. Just the rain. We're getting a little tired of the rain, but other than that, I'm happy as a clown. I know, right? College football is here. It is. It is. Action-packed day tomorrow, right? I know, right? Uh, I think, I mean, Noah Kane's going to be the starter, but my thing is it all depends on the O-line. You know, that's what it is. It's all about. I agree. I hope they all have a thousand yards. <laughs> Look, you last know? year that was a but, sore spot for LSU, right? But the the word huh? coming out of camp and the word coming out, you know, the the Florida State prep is this offensive line is, is more advanced than, than they thought. They're they're holding their own against a a very good Tiger front. Well, then watch for Armani Goodwin to have a good year. Also, John Emery, I, I'm I'm just not sure, you know. But it is what it is. We've got four running backs, and uh, if the old line can open up some holes, uh, well, we'll have a great year. I think so. A lot hinges on them, T. And I, I think the, the guy for me that I want to see have a huge year on the offensive line is Anthony Bradford. He came highly regarded out of the state of Michigan a couple years ago. Been struggling to keep that weight down. Started out on the perimeter. Looks like he might play a little right guard for the Tigers. I think that's more in line to, to his body style, and he's just a road grader. I think if he's there and he's physical at the point of attack, LSU's going to have a, a successful year running the football. Agreed. Don't forget about the left tackle. He, he's only a freshman. <laughs> he, he's going to be something. Yeah. We'll be talking about him for many years, T. Oh, I, I hear you on that. I hear you. Well, look. Enjoy the show, and uh, we'll holler later. I appreciate it, T. You have a good weekend. Enjoy that college football in week zero. You as well. My man, T. I love when T calls, man. I light up every time, man. That's my guy. Appreciate the call, T, as always. Armani Goodwin's an interesting interesting piece for me because he's going to be a a change of pace guy. He comes in. He's like lightning in a bottle. He'll he'll make you miss. You know, he could dance in a phone booth kind of guy. But I don't know if he could be an every down back. I like him catching the football out in the flats, making a guy miss. That's what he did really well last year, you know. Uh, when we were struggling, trying to find a running game, the two uh, early in the season, the two freshmen kind of would spark the running game a little bit. You know, when Corey Kiner came in, no longer with the program, he, he gave us a little bit of a spark. And then when Armani Goodwin finally got healthy after three or four weeks, he came in and he, you could see the difference in talent level. The turn of foot was way different. The man has the quickness. Another thing that he has, too, is that low center of gravity, easily, easily breaking out of tackles. He, he's, he's electric with the football in his hands. So I, I think uh, LSU's run game, I don't know if it's – question mark going into the season kind of like T said uh, no matter who's back there if the offensive line's not blocking but I think folks forget how good Noah Kane was a couple seasons back before his injury last year a little slow to get back from the injury Whew, he sure looks like he's back my man is jacked up you've seen him in the the film that they, they released from practice you've seen him in his NIL commercials I, I think my guy is poised for a big big season 
He also has a little bit more experience. That plays big dividends, too. We, we talked about that earlier in the week. Guys with experience, when the light's on, the speed of the game, they've already seen it, they've already been there. Noah Kane has been that guy. Might have been in a different conference, facing different defenses, but if I'm a betting man, I think Noah Kane's going to be my guy to lead the Tigers in rushing in 2022. James, what say you? Yeah, it's tough for me to pick John Emery, especially since he's going to be already two games behind. I would be very intrigued with Jaden Daniels if he starts, but we don't even know if he's going to start just yet. I, I would probably have to lean Noah Kane as well since he's going to be there from week one. And I mean, you can't expect injuries, but I, I just... The, the thing about, for me, John Emery, we know the talent's there. Of course. Ultra-talented guy. Very highly recruited out of Destrehan, originally committed to Georgia. LSU fought tooth and nail to get that guy back here in Baton Rouge. Got him in Baton Rouge. You saw a couple glimpses, right? As a freshman, he had a big touchdown run against Alabama. But you haven't seen consistency from him. So even if he is the guy and he's there week one, he's still pretty un- you know, he's, he hasn't I was going to say, he hasn't, anything, he hasn't you know? shown the consistency and right. he hasn't proved it on the field yet. So... For, and even then, you got to worry about everybody else carrying the ball. So you're not going to be able to dominate the carries. My thing is, who's going to be more of the change of pace guy? And that's that's where you're going to get amazing yards per carry out of that guy. I, I mean, look, I think all the backs kind of complement each other. They all have a different style. So they all complement each other, even if all three are there. But boy, pound the football with Noah Kane, and then you release John Emery in there. Then, hey, a little third down back action from Godwin is tough to stop. All those guys kind of give you a different element that the others don't. So I think it's interesting there. And if you want to look at Jaden Daniels, if he ends up being the starter at his time at Arizona State, he rushed for 355 yards as a freshman on 125 carries. Remember, that was his most successful campaign with the Sun Devils, throwing for almost 3,000 yards, 17 touchdowns, and two interceptions that year in a COVID shortened season, 33 carries, 223 yards. And then last year, where he struggled a little bit, only 2,400 yards through the air, 10 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, did rush for 710 yards. I think LSU's leading rusher will have more than 710 yards this year. I, but I, I don't think it would, they would get 1,000. I think it'd be, I, I think it'd be about 900 and as you, your leading rusher, if you're, if, but, especially if you're going to have that much of a committee. But in a perfect world, too, you, you kind of want that, right? You, yeah. Because you, you're going to want somebody else behind him to have six, 700 yards as well, and then the next guy to have 500. You know, if you're going to truly share those carries and split them up, I don't think anybody's getting 25 carries in a ball game. You know, I, it's, I don't think the offense is going to flow in, in that direction. No, you, you would kind of expect it to be more of like a, a Cajuns offense of years past where you see one guy go in, another guy go in, and – relieve the other two and then the third guy comes in is the final knockout to where it's like each one gets about 10 carries a game 10 to 10 to 12 carries a game and each one's a change of pace and each one of them could just break away for a big run and Noah King could be that kind of guy too is as the game progresses you want to put in the bigger back harder to tackle them those guys get tired uh, look as a freshman on 84 carries he had 443 yards almost five and a half yards per per carry eight touchdowns in that season then he gets hurt for the COVID year. 
last year. He, he got two, uh, 106 carries, so they gave him the football a little bit more than his freshman campaign, but only 350 yards and only averaging a little over three yards per carry. So not as explosive, but also not as good of a Penn State team a year ago, too. So kind of the same boat as Jaden Daniels, maybe. Didn't have that element of team around him to kind of spring him. Maybe focus in on him a little bit more. Didn't get the production that you wanted out of him. He did catch 19 balls out of the backfield a year ago for 114 yards. You like that kind of production. I think that's what Godwin's going to be so good at. Give him the ball in space. Let him make a guy miss. Shoot up the field. Pick up first downs. That's going to be interesting for me. And I, personally, I think if LSU's leading rusher as a quarterback, it's probably because things aren't going great. A lot of plays are breaking down. I, I don't think you really want to run a quarterback heck of a lot in the SEC. Not everybody got a Cam Newton-style body that could hold up to that kind of punishment time and time again in the SEC. I, I just don't see that. Not to mention, Jane Daniels has a better of an arm than I feel like he gets credit for. I watched a lot of Jaden Daniels highlights today. Yeah. And I, I, some of his throws last year were god-awful. Guys were wide open, way overthrew him into interceptions. But one thing that you go back and watch the highlights and you see time and time again, when he runs to extend plays, those defensive backs, those eyes are peeking in the backfield. They're looking back. They know he's going to turn into a runner. That leads to wide-open guys. And he threw the football to wide-open guys a good bit. Another thing that he does really well is he throws the football with anticipation. He throws the guys before their break. He's not afraid to let the thing rip. So I, kind of a mixed bag, just not a lot of consistency last year in his throws. A little bit happy feet, not getting those feet set before he throws. But that, co- that comes from trying to throw on the run, trying to extend plays. So you got to kind of take the good with the bad as well. You know who he reminds me of? I was because I was watching some of his highlights as well, not too long ago, and seeing his deep ball, it reminded me of Russell Wilson. Kind of like the the high arcing throws that drop right into the basket in the perfect spot. That's what it reminded me of. It's like if we can connect on those, if the LSU Tigers can connect on those, they have a lot of good chances. Especially with if you have three really good running backs that could all do different things. But then you also have so many weapons on the outside. And even then, looking at the tight end room, that's supposed to be improved as well. Huh. So you, you, heard, you heard what Coach Kelly said about Mason Taylor on Thursday night at his coach's show. He just raved about him. So I, I agree. I think the tight end room is going to be improved. So at this point, if you want to get, get the ball out in space to your guys, I almost wonder, would even the lead rusher have only 800 yards? And, some of these pass plays, too, are just an extension of the run game, right? A lot of these quick passes um, out into the flats and the perimeter are just really an extension of the run game. Well, one thing, though, I want to say about Jaden Daniels while we're on the topic is I find he's a very rhythm quarterback. When things are going good, he's getting the ball out of his hands quickly. He's developing that rapport with his receiver, and they kind of go into to that zone, right? Constantly making plays, hooking up time and time again down the field. That he, he's a good, He gets a good feel for the game when it's going his way. When things are going bad, though, it seems like he that's when he gets those happy feet that we talked about. Not getting that foot set, letting the football sell on him, and that's what got him into trouble last year and got him into throwing those 10 interceptions. Not a very good team, don't get me wrong. Didn't have a whole lot of help up front, running for his life a ton. Not a lot of playmakers on the perimeter to make plays for him like he'll have in Baton Rouge. 
But when it did break down, that's when those feet got happy. That's when he got feeling bad for himself a little bit and it kind of went downhill. When things are going good, hey, he's going to ride that roller coaster and ride that ride. I think uh, I, I, I think regardless who the guy ends up being, you know, we, we beat this up constantly. I'm ready for I'm ready more than anybody, I feel, for Kelly just to make the decision and let's roll with it. I think you might see a couple series no matter who the guy is from, from the other one uh, over in New Orleans for, for the opener, but I think the team's ready for them to make a decision. That way you could game plan and these guys could start to get a little bit of a feel for each other. We're going to go ahead and take our first time out today, but when we come back, we're going to continue to talk about these LSU Tigers as they, pre- as they prepare for their week one matchup against Florida State. Right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. College football is back. It's time to enjoy the tradition, the fun, and the great offers from DraftKings Sportsbook. To celebrate the best time of the year, right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets instantly, win or lose. If that's not enough action, you can also place a same-game parlay for a shot at an even bigger payout. Just combine multiple bets into one, like which team will get the win, which team will score first, and more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. And best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. There's a call to action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code 1037GAME. Bet just $5 on college football and get $200 in free bets instantly. That's code 1037GAME only at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 or older, physically present in Louisiana. Select parishes only. One per new customer. Minimum $5 deposit and wager. $200 issued as $825 free bets. Restrictions apply. See terms at DraftKings.com sportsbook. Licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles. Gambling problem? Call 1-877-770-STOP. Welcome back to the Jordy Holberg Show. I'm Blaine Vietar, filling in for the Blonde Bomber all week long and having a great time with you. Had a great time last segment, kind of breaking down LSU's rushing situation heading into the opener against the Florida State Seminoles just nine days away. I cannot wait. Week zero action kicks off tomorrow, and and the more I think about it, the more it just doesn't get me that excited, James. I'm going to probably catch that first game, um, the one over in, in Dublin, Ireland. Might catch a little bit of that. Other than that, I don't know. I don't think it's anything that gets me too crazy. I hear we might even have a game cancellation. I was going to say that's probably been the most exciting part so far. So is that official now? What is it, Florida A&M canceling out against North Carolina? Yes. Okay, so Florida Florida A&M has 20-plus players ineligible for, I'm assuming, academic reasons. They uh, only have seven Offensive linemen that they could dress tomorrow didn't show up to catch their flight. They're going to go ahead and cancel their game against the Tar Heels tomorrow. I bet you App State is over in Boone, North Carolina right now. Pretty fired up (laughs) that North Carolina won't get the tune-up game before they head over to play them tomorrow night. Last night in the juice box, the Astros were able to complete the sweep against the Minnesota Twins 6-3. Luis Garcia got the win for the Strohs, 11-8 on the year with a 4.14 ERA. Chris Archer took the L for the Twins, 2-7 with a 4.34 ERA. Oh, Ryan Presley on the IL. It's okay. Rafael Montero comes in, get his eighth save of the season, now sporting a 2.56 ERA. Astros, you know, gave up a home run in the first inning when Jorge Polanco hit a 353-foot bomb against Garcia. No big deal, though. Strohs stuck around 
and did their damage at the bottom half of the first, led by a Trey Mancini home run into the Crawford boxes. Look, we said it all week long, and they've done it. Dusty finally done it, but play Trey Mancini every single day. I don't care if he's a DH. I don't care if he's a first baseman or a left fielder. He plays every day. I was going to say good things happen when he plays, as you've seen. Yes. Perfect. Perfect example. Was that his sixth home run so far since he's been with the Houston Astros? Only 10 the whole first half of the season with the Orioles? Play my guy. My guy's getting a little more energy from being in a new surrounding. Speaking of his old squad, the Astros are going to welcome them tonight into the juice box for the first game of a three-game set. Of course, that game's going to be at 7-10. You can hear that action right here on the game. Astros tonight going to bring on Lance McCullers Jr. In his first start off of the IL, whew, dynamite. Then he had a little bit of a speed bump against the Atlanta Braves. He brings in a 1-1 record with a 2.45 ERA. And Kyle Bradish comes in for the Orioles, 1-5 with a 6.25 ERA. Going to be an interesting series. Stros Orioles had an interesting series a year ago when the Astros absolutely owned the Baltimore Orioles in Baltimore before Baltimore kind of replayed the price over in Houston later in the season. I like to see Yardon Alvarez get going a little bit. Only one home run in the month of August. Seems to be struggling a little bit. Only hitting 256 in the month after hitting close to 300 all season long. See if the big fella can't keep going. Interesting thing about Yardon is, which I thought was crazy, his family finally got to see him play live in person. Since he defected from Cuba, they haven't made it over to see the big fella play live in the major league. They made... Their first game this week. So they're ready to see the big guy hit his first bomb live and in person. We can't see if Yardon can't get it back going. What you think about the Astros bullpen? Are, are you the type of guy that's, that's cause for concern, how they've been struggling? Are you, you know, it's just, is baseball a little bit of bad luck? What'd you say, James? I don't think it's really that bad. I, I think you can easily live with it. Overall, just the whole pitching roster is really good. The biggest thing for me has been the offense recently, but it's gotten his groove back. So it's not a it's not a big worry to me. You have a nice starters. You even traded for a reliever. You even traded for a closer. So to me, they don't seem to trust a, him much. They don't, they don't I was going to say, I, I've, only, I've only seen Will Smith two, two three times. Yeah, maybe two, three appearances. Never in high leverage situations. Yeah, I mean. Dusty hadn't built that trust in him quite yet. If it continues, there may be a concern. But as of right now, they're winning. So you, you can't fault them too much. If you're if you're losing in late games, giving up like four runs in the final three innings well, from your closer, kind of what happened, you know, what last week against the the White Sox and the Braves a little bit, but it's a little bit of a speed bump. I think they're going to be okay with Presley going on the IL. You know, they they're going to have to get some good innings from a few different guys. I don't think they're going to relieve. You know, they're not going to rely just on Montero down this stretch without Presley. But you also look at it. I mean, I'm saying if I see it multiple times like three, four times out of the next three series and you're giving up games late, then that's more of a cause 
for concern. But if it happens, if there's one blip every once in a while, I mean, that's just baseball. There's 162 games. Stuff like that's going to happen. You you try to explain that to Kevin Foote. I, I can't I can't explain anything to Kevin Foote. <laughs> Let's scoreboard watch a little bit, looking at the MLB playoff picture. The Seattle Mariners beat the Cleveland Guardians last night as the Mariners continue to try to reach up to that wild card spot. And, of course, the Boston Red Sox lose again, getting swept by the Toronto Blue Jays. The New York Mets beat the Rockies last night 3-1. to one, And the Yankees, you, you might have been on something when you said they might have got off of their skid, winning their fourth game in a row. Late night action over on the West Coast. They trumped the Oakland Athletics 13 to four. They get Mike Stanton back. His first game back, he goes for one for four with three RBIs. Other big news coming across today from the major league: Julio Rodriguez, sensational rookie from those Seattle Mariners that are fighting for playoff contention, signs a 14-year deal for 210 million. Whew. I think he's having a fine season. I don't even know if he's rookie of the year but he's having good year I don't know if I'd sign him up to a 14 year deal quite yet I know people are high 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 on him I think he's a tear down from some of the latest guys that come across the MLB fun to watch too swipes a lot of bags pretty good um, in the field I think that AL rookie of the year race is tight Audi Rushman the catcher from the Baltimore Orioles Oregon State product He's been so good. He came up late call-up, too. Since he's been up, he's been the best catcher in baseball. ERA, uh, excuse me, his war already over four. Also, Bobby Witt Jr. over in Kansas City. He's a speed demon as well, swiping just as many bags as Julio, hitting as many bombs and hitting for the same amount of average. Plays in a much smaller market. Don't hear about him as much. It's going to be interesting to see who wins that AL Rookie of the Year. We're going to take a step aside, going to take a quick break, pay some bills. But when we come back, we're going to bring on my guy, TJ Pittinger of the Double Fries No Slaw podcast on the Roll-Up Network for the Florida State side to give us his preview into LSU Florida State. Stick with us right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Jordy Holberg has been a star on the hardwood and in the broadcast booth. But did you know he was also a star on the dance floor? Please wash your hair. You know, I work on my hair a long time and you can hit my hair. John Travolta ain't got nothing on the blonde bomber. Now back to the man with all the moves. Jordy Holberg and the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back in to the Jordy Holberg Show. I'm Blaine Vietar, filling in for the Blind Bomber and having a great time with all you folks as we continue to talk LSU football and their big matchup against the Florida State Seminoles. We're going to head on out to the game hotline and bring on our next guest, P.J. Pittinger of the Double Fries No Slaw podcast of the Roll Up Network. My guy, T.J., how are you this Friday afternoon? Man, I'm good. It's Friday afternoon. We're less than 24 hours away from uh, some football being on the TV. How are you guys doing? Oh, fantastic. We've been getting bombarded by rain in South Louisiana, but it can't sour what we're waiting for, and that's football season. You guys get a a week up against us. Y'all get to get y'all action started out tomorrow. How much of a difference do you think that comes into play, you guys having that one-game experience over LSU? Uh, I think it's pretty big. Uh, You know, I think, you know, just – being able to go out and hit somebody and, and 
work on some things that you're not working on in camp, right? Like it, it's essentially like an NFL preseason game, right? And so if if you and what do the NFL guys play? About a quarter of a game, you know? And so you, you essentially get like all the reps that you would want in an NFL preseason game, and and you get to kind of work out some kinks or, uh, against a team that you should beat. I do think that if Florida State could have swapped the uh, Jacksonville State and Notre Dame games last year, they'd have had a much better chance of going 2-0 and or at least 1-1, and right? Because you wouldn't have had the emotional letdown going into Jacksonville State that you had after losing to Notre Dame. And, and maybe the tune-up game may have, you know, kinked a couple of things into you winning both of those games. And so, yeah, I, I think it's massive for FSU. Florida State returns the 11th most production on the field in college football. Uh, but, you know, you still don't know until you get out there week one and, and can kind of get some stuff going. So, yeah, I think it's really, really big for the Knowles to, to have kind of a, a cupcake game to start. Also, they're, they've lost their last five or six uh, straight uh, openers, so it'll be nice to not start out with a, an L in, the, in that column to start the season. And you guys, you mentioned the NFL, you know, only playing a couple series. You're trying to keep guys healthy to get to that big matchup in just a week. What, what what does the the health of the team look like heading into this ball game tomorrow? Yeah, pretty good. Uh, got out of camp relatively healthy. I will say we lost both of our starting centers. One uh, probably the backup, Caden Lyles, a transfer out of Wisconsin, out for the year. Unfortunately, um, is going to stick around the program. So hats off to him for sticking around and, and just kind of helping out and stuff. But then you you lost the guy that was probably going to win the starting job. I actually expect him back for LSU. I think they're just holding him out. I, I think if this was if LSU was was tomorrow, I, I think he'd be playing. Um, so I think they're holding him out because I think they know that they can get by with a kid named Darius Washington who has played all five positions, started eight or nine, ten games last year, and, and so a little bit of a concern there at center. Not so much against Duquesne, but you know, going into that LSU game and then the ACC schedule and everything else. Um, but then otherwise, really, really good. Lost, uh, you know, maybe your sixth or seventh best, you know, fourth or fifth, sixth best linebacker. Uh, lost maybe your fifth or sixth best wide receiver, you know. But I don't know how big of an impact those guys were, were going to make anyway. But other than that, relatively healthy outside of the center position. LSU's strength of this team looks to be their defensive line where they could probably go eight to ten deep up front. How does – Florida State's offensive line kind of match up against him. I know you mentioned the center position maybe just a little banged up, but what about the guys surrounding that center? Yeah, I think this is the best offensive line Florida State has had since 2013 when they won a national championship, maybe 2014 the year after. Uh, but you also had Dalvin Cook running behind that line and just making a, a lot of people look foolish by himself. So uh, that said – being the best offensive line since 2013-14 is not good. Like, I think they're going to be average this year. But Florida State fans want that more than you can imagine. We have uh, really, really complained about how bad the offensive line has been. The fan base is, you know, just, you know, in bewilderment that the offensive line could be bad and horrible, really, for years. And so last year they got a little bit better. They got a lot of continuity, a lot of guys coming back from that offensive line. There's a lot more depth. They added 10 pieces between the recruiting class and the transfer portal. Uh, one of those guys is Caden Lyles, who is out for the year. But another one's Bless Harris, who comes in and is probably going to win that right tackle, that starting job. Darius Washington is another guy that you're able to kind of move some pieces around and feel pretty comfortable even losing your top two centers. Uh, Dylan Gibbons, a transfer from Notre Dame last year on that line. You've also got a kid in Robert Scott, who's now starting in his third year 
So there's a lot of continuity. The, the, team, the, the fan base feels a lot better about the offensive line. I wouldn't call them a good or great unit just yet, but I think just average makes Florida State fans feel pretty good about uh, offensive line play compared to previous seasons. That all said, I think LSU is probably the best defensive line they're going to see this year, uh, and, and that includes Clemson. Um, but I also think that Florida State's defensive line is pretty good. And the guys they're going up against in practice every day, I think Fabo, Fabian Lovett and um, Robert Cooper in the middle are, are the best defensive tackle pair in the conference. Um, and so they, they get a lot, of, uh, a, a lot of good reps in practice. They're nowhere near LSU's, I, I understand that. But I do think that you know, the offensive line play will be – it won't be a detriment. I don't know if I'm willing to call it a strength just yet, but I think it will be good for FSU this year. What would you say is the biggest question mark you'd like to see answered tomorrow? Um, I think it's hard to extrapolate. Like, there's a lot of things that fans could be upset about tomorrow, right? You don't win by enough. You don't look as crisp as you should against a, a lower-level opponent. I think the, the biggest thing you want to take away, and I'm stealing a little bit from uh, we had uh, Drew Carter from, from the ACC Network on, on our show last night, and, and he said this, and, and I really thought about it and listened back to the show a couple of times, and um, I, I think I'm right on board. I think this is a culture win tomorrow for, for Florida State. I think this is a, you are playing a lesser opponent and you go out and you just absolutely demolish them and you pitch a shutout. Like you, you say this team is not getting in our end zone and we're scoring nearly every time we have the ball. We're going to look like we're better. We're not going to play like we did in 2018 where we struggled with Samford and needed a last-second drive to beat them. We're not going to look like we did against ULM in 2019 where we needed a blocked field goal to avoid overtime with ULM. Uh, we're not going to look like we did in 2020 where we had a 14-point comeback against Jacksonville State or 2021 where you lost to Jacksonville State. So that's what I think tomorrow is about. You go out and you just absolutely dominate a team that you're a 40-point favorite over, right? There is no excuses. There's no question marks. There's nothing like that. You just have to go out and just dominate. I don't really care how crisp they look. I don't care if there are mistakes. You know, kids make mistakes. It doesn't matter. You just got to go out and be better for all 60 minutes. Uh, because again, 85% of the team was on that team last year that just suffered that embarrassing loss to Jacksonville State, and so you, you, you can't feel that again. TJ Penninger joining us right now on the game hotline. He's a Double Fries No Slaw podcast. TJ, you know that's that's got some LSU background to it, right? Your podcast name. Okay, so this is controversial. Every I haven't said anything controversial just yet. <laughs> this it, it it does kind of. I know it's a, I, okay. So here's the thing, Guthrie's is the OG. I know you guys are Raising Canes fans, but if you look up the history of Raising Canes, Raising Canes was started by two former Guthrie's employees. Uh, same exact thing with Zaxby's. Uh, a guy was a former employee of Zaxby's. I'm uh, sorry, former employee of Guthrie's went to Zaxby's and started that. So Guthrie's is the OG. So there's a, there's some Louisiana ties. I get it. But it actually started – I hate this. It started in Alabama is where Guthrie started. Oh, come on, but, uh, but Guthrie's is the OG. We're gonna give, I'm going to have to give love to the, uh, to the OG. I, like, I have no problem with raising cash. I'll eat chicken tenders from legitimately everywhere. Gas station side of the road, very good. Like, I'm, I'm all about it. So, anyway, but I, I heard you guys are bigger on the no, the, the no slaw extra toast. No so slow extra like toast is where it's at. Yeah, no slow extra toast is the, is the move, man. You're trying to start a war down here, TJ. LSU. I tried to be very reserved by saying it, like very not. 
LSU, you know, still hadn't named a starting quarterback. They got the transfer of Jaden Daniels out of Arizona State, and then the the sophomore redshirt sophomore, uh, redshirt sophomore uh, Garrett Nussmeyer kind of battling it out for that starting spot. How, how does that come into play with you guys trying to game plan for LSU, not knowing who the signal caller is going to be? I think that I worry less about who LSU's quarterback is, and that's not a that's not a dog on their quarterback at all or, or whoever ends up winning the starting job. I worry less about the starting quarterback, and I, I worry more about the wideouts. I think the two places that at LSU really can hurt you are at wideout and defensive line, like you talked about earlier. And so I, I'm really confident in our defensive line being pretty good against the run. I'm not you know, trying to give anybody bulletin board material, but I think we'll do fairly well against the run. And then I think both quarterbacks, I mean, just the fact that they haven't named a starter means that you know neither guy has like taken some huge lead or anything, or, or maybe it's a little gamesmanship. I don't know. It, but, you know, reading reports and talking with different people, it, it just sounds like, you know, nobody is head and shoulders over the other guy. And so, again, I, I don't know that that really bothers me as much because I think that either of them are capable of getting it and getting it to, like, the stud wide receivers that LSU has on the edges. And so that's probably what worries me more. Um, if there was a competition of like who may sit out at wide receiver, like that would definitely interest me. But I think the quarterback thing, I, I think they'll be in, I think LSU will be in decent shape either way. Like I don't think either guy is going to just go out and throw for 450 or 500 yards. And, and I don't think either guy is going to go out and throw for four interceptions, you know? So I, I think they'll be kind of in the same boat either way. So the quarterback position or battle doesn't bother me nearly as much as, you know, who they're throwing to. And, and those guys are pretty nasty. What kind of atmosphere do you guys expect to have over at Doak tomorrow? Oh, man. Soggy, uh, rainy, <laughs> wet, you know, late August. You were talking about the rain in New Orleans. Late uh, late August football games are uh, are definitely something else here in, in Florida. So, yeah, I mean, I think it'll be good. I think, you know, I saw the student section was sold out. I think that, you know, the – Sold attendance, the paid attendance, will be very, very high. I don't know how much the actual attendance will differ. Uh, I think that, you know, when you play a, a pretty crappy opponent and the weather is supposed to rain literally all day and, uh, you know, you are also got a lot of people that are wanting to spend their money and their time going to New Orleans the next weekend. And, and Florida State doesn't have, like, it's not in a city like, you know, even Baton Rouge is, is only an hour and a half from uh, – from New Orleans, you know, a major city. Florida State, you know, Tallahassee doesn't have a major city within three hours, right? Atlanta's five, Jacksonville's three, Orlando's four, Tampa's four. So you've got a lot of people that have to travel, you know, six or eight hours round trip, and then you're looking at rain delays and everything else. So I don't know how well attended it will be. I will say the student section being there will help a lot because they don't have to travel. The band will be really, really loud, so that helps. I don't know, 40,000, 50,000, somewhere in that range. You know, they won't get up to like 70 or 80 or anything like that. But it'll be fun. It'll be, you know, first time back. And then you're beating somebody's brains in. So I think that'll make it fun. But, yeah, the weather could really uh, put a damper on the mood, um, which the team will just have to fight through. You know, you've you got to figure out a way. Who, who's the one guy on Florida State's roster that might not be a household name that LSU is going to know about in a week? Uh, probably Johnny Wilson. Uh, he's becoming more of a household name. Is uh, don't don't run and tell them this after I tell you, but uh, probably Johnny Wilson, a wide out transfer out of Arizona State. Um, kid, I've I've talked to a couple of people inside the program, and every time I talk with them, I've I've gotten this phrase back twice. That the kid is an absolute problem in the red zone. Um, he's six. He's every bit of six seven. He's not like depth chart roster six seven where you, you know you add an inch or two. He is every bit of six seven. They tell me he's better. 
I don't like hyperbole at all. But they tell me he's better at high-pointing the football than Kelvin Benjamin was. Now, his hands aren't as good. He's not as good of a route runner, all of those things. But he's better at just going up and getting the ball than our first-round pick that caught the national championship-winning touchdown. I'm not saying he's as good of a player. I really want to make sure I'm clear with that. I think Johnny Wilson's a guy that could have three touchdowns in the game and really only have three catches, you know, because he just in the red zone, you just throw it up to him and and nobody can even get close to, to what he's doing. Wrapping up right now with TJ Penninger of the Double Fries No Slaw podcast. TJ, how does it play out a week from Sunday in the Superdome? Man, I think the team that has the ball last is going to win this. I think that I, I'm pretty confident that both defensive lines are going to do some good work um, against each other's offensive lines. I really need to see if Florida State's able to go out and just dominate and maul an opponent like they should tomorrow. If they do that, I'll feel pretty good about it. But I do think I think it comes down to who has the ball last. Uh, and I'll say that Florida State has the ball last and, and wins by a field goal. I don't know. But it's, it's honestly going to go down to the wire. I, I really think that both of these teams' strengths and weaknesses complement and you know each other. I think that Florida State has some question marks on the offensive line. I think that LSU starts some young guys on the offensive line, and they have some quarterback questions. Haven't solidified a guy yet. Florida State has the best safety duo in the ACC. Um, I think that it's going to go down to the wire. Uh, you know, give me the Knowles in a in a three point win with about a fifty percent confidence because it's complete coin flip to me. Appreciate the time, TJ. Hope to talk to you soon. Take if you care. make it over to Nolan, man, make sure you hit me up. Will do. Thank you, buddy. TJ Pittinger of the Double Fries No Slaw podcast broke it all down for us from the Florida State side. We're going to step aside real quick. When we come back, we're going to wrap up this first hour and prep you for the second right here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Johnson throws. Boutte's got it wide open at the 10. Far side. He's in for the score. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field. Going back on its Gordon. He'll look up at the corner. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Delta Media is your home for thrilling high school football. This season's lineup includes St. Thomas More on the game, 1037 Lafayette. Acadiana High will be on MeTV 97.7 FM. Karen Crow High on Z1059. Southside High on Mustang 107.1. The Vermilion Parish will be on 106.3 Radio Lafayette. And then the St. Landry Parish will be on News Talk 98.5, while Bard will be on the game, 1041 in Lake Charles. Make sure you download the station's free mobile apps to listen to your favorite teams at home or on the road. Delta Media is your home for Friday Night Football. Welcome back into the Jordy Holberg Show. I'm Blaine Vietar, filling in for Jordy Holberg and having a great time with you. We've been heavy on LSU Florida State on this first hour. Sprinkled on a little Astros talk, but man, it's a, it's a shame. Last night, all that rain in the Jamborees, James. I, I was all jazzed up to get over there. Had to swim back to Karen Crow. It was, I was gonna, brutal. I was going to say, I didn't get out of here till 9 last night, and that's also because my my parents had texted me saying, "Hey, uh, our, the roads are flooded." <laughs> so I was like, "Okay, well, maybe I maybe I yeah, I know, right? Maybe I go maybe I go to my sister's house, who's right down the road." But I had gotten a text back like, "Okay, it's it's good now." <laughs> so I was like, "I just went home." Man, it's uh, it's a shame that they had a rain dampered uh, evening last night. Uh, 
things we talked about yesterday in the show was uh, getting to see Turlings as quarterback, Preston Welch, how he's going to kind of grow into to that quarterback in his junior year, and he looked pretty good against Como as Turlings was able to get that win 24 nothing, And then Karen Crow fought from behind against a very resilient St. Martinville team. Vince Derwin's Tigers, very physical up front. Um, Karen Crow was able to move the football on them, though. They kind of pitched in. Chance Caesar led the way for the for the Bears. Um, Ken and Ryan, late touchdown, gave the Bears the victory with the extra point, 13-12. I uh, didn't get to see the nightcap uh, with Southside in it, but uh, from what I stand, understand, they, they look pretty good as well. I saw there were games canceled all over the state last night. I know the games over at Clark Field were canceled. Quite a few in Baton Rouge were canceled as well. Mike Scarborough was going over to watch the Madison Prep Woodlong game and was hoping to get a little bit of a, a scouting report on the LSU quarterback, Ricky Collins, but that game was canceled as well. They had a little skirmish in that game too. James, did you catch that? Those two teams meeting behind the, the end zone after they canceled the game. Looked like they wanted to get after it. Really? Oh, yeah. man. For the Jamboree, huh? <laughs> Folks are excited about that. So a lot of fun in, in the first hour and – uh, we didn't get a chance to talk about high school football quite as much, so we'll kind of jump into that a little bit in the second hour. Uh, we want to thank P.J. Penninger for joining us in that last segment of No Slaw Extra Fires podcast and giving us this Florida State preview. We're going to take a step aside for the last time in this hour and head to the second hour of the show. So don't, st- don't go anywhere. Stick around. A lot of fun still to be had right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Live and local, this is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. Welcome back into hour number two of two. For the Jordy Holberg Show, I'm Blaine Vietar, filling in for the Blonde Bomber and having a great time with you on this Friday afternoon, trying to head into the weekend. I don't care how wet it is outside, James, heading into the weekend is always the best feeling. Exactly. It's always a Friday fun show. Hey, come on, man. Fridays are always, look, everybody's full of anticipation, full of excitement, and that's just what we are as we head into football season. Week zero tomorrow, we get a Kind of a mixed bag of ball games. Do you plan on watching a bunch of that stuff? I'm gonna try to catch a couple of them. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna see what happens and keep up with the scores. I may not be able to see them live on TV, but I'll I'm gonna I'm gonna keep the scores on my phone. Keep the scores up on the phone. I like it. If you want to get in on the fun and chat with us today, we'd be happy to have you join us on the game hotline at 337-706-0111. And of course, if you want to see how beautiful both James and I are. You could always catch us here in Acadiana. You can watch us on the simulcast and Stadium Network at 32.3 and on 133 LUS Fiber. So in the first hour, we did a lot of LSU talk, a lot of Florida State talk, and we have a poll question, too. We want to know who you think will be LSU's leading rusher in the 2022 season. So far, right now, 75% of the good folks in Acadiana think that Noah Kane is going to be the dude. 12.5% 12.5% coming in for John Emery and another 12.5% coming in for Armani Goodwin. Nobody buying that Jaden Daniels at all. They said, look, even if my guy wins the battle, they don't think he's going to be the leading rusher for the Tigers. I feel like it's more of a, God, I hope that's not the case. 
Because like you said earlier, <laughs> if it's a lot of breakdown plays and he's scrambling himself, because it's not like you're going to be calling direct QB runs that often. No, nah, I mean, there might be some zone read elements to this team. Don't get me wrong, but I, I think that you're exactly right. If he's going to be your leading rusher, that means you had a lot of breakdowns. There's some things going on that you're not too happy about. Th- another thing that we haven't touched on quite yet, the Saints get into their third preseason ball game tonight. Are you excited for that one? Is that something that you know, you're know you going to get fired up for or not really? Oh, I'm ready for it. All right, I figure you would be. They're going to take on the Chargers of Los Angeles, both teams coming in with an 0-2 record in the preseason. I, I thought, like, I hope. I'm serious. I hope Jameis plays tonight. I hope, I hope everybody plays. No, you probably won't see um, Cesar Ruiz. You probably won't see Michael Thomas. You probably won't see Kamara. But I like to see a lot of these frontline guys get some work. I want to see what they look like with the lights on when you get into some some ball games where everybody's playing at full speed. You know, I, look, we talked about joint practices in length this week. You know what happened yesterday, right? Aaron Donald out there swinging helmets around. He took exception to it. He wants to get in on the action. My guy Matt Miguez is telling me that you know he's calling for Aaron Donald to be suspended for six games. He wants him. That's that's assault. He told me. <laughs> I said, come on, man, simmer down, young pup. Guys, that was practice, man. You're not going to get suspended six games from a practice standpoint. I, I don't think that, you know, Roger Goodall might kind of force the Rams to, you know, find him or something. But I, I don't, I don't foresee him missing any ball games. Not when he's the, you know, the not only the best player for the Rams who just won the Super Bowl, but he could be the best player in the, in the entire league. That practice got pretty chippy. Lyle Collins out there mixing it up with Aaron Donald, the former Redemptors product. LSU product, hey, out there having his guys back. See that a lot, though. I, I Look, I think a lot of coaches like that. They want a team that has some edge to them. They want some chippiness. They want to see their guys have some fight. I'm saying they condone beating the hell out of each other. No, probably not. But look, they want you to get in somebody's face. They want to see what's going to happen when the rubber hits the road. They want to see what kind of guys they have in there with them. They don't want to see their quarterback get hit late or guys extend plays after the whistle. They're, they try to get after it. So I, I, I think it's a non-issue. I think both coaching staffs kind of did the same thing, non-issue, after, after that fight. Are, are you big on the fight, or what, what's your thoughts on the Aaron Donald situation, James? Well, it was brought up that it comes down to the team to suspend the player if it's a practice since it wasn't a real game. I personally think since it was a practice and wasn't a game, it shouldn't be he shouldn't be suspended as long as Garrett was. I'm thinking three or four games, but he then again, a game, bro. That, but that's what I'm saying is it's go, it's going to be the team itself and of course the team's not going to sabotage itself unless it's something absolutely heinous. Look, I what they do, maybe they'll sit him for the rest of the Rest of the preseason? Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> hey, oh, we'll man. show him, man. Yeah, we got We're him gonna good. We're going to sit you the next two games. Yeah. We, show, we, taught, we taught Aaron Donald a lesson. <laughs> yeah, we took $5 from him. <laughs> no, I do think you'll have to pay a fine. Yeah, it, it'll know? probably be like a 20K fine. You know, some small, some chump change. 20K. But K- P- T did call again, and he wanted – apparently he's got a couple buddies, and the argument between all of them is that LSU and the coaching staff did – Miles Brennan wrong, so he wanted to get our opinion on that. Uh-huh. I, I I think that's BS. I I think Miles Brennan probably a step slow after he injury 
late career. Uh, Miles struggled getting the football out of his hands. That was his biggest downfall, holding on to the football for too long. Even in the games he was successful in that COVID season, early in the season when he threw for a ton of yards, his biggest issue was he held on to that football way too long. That's the difference. Nussmeyer letting that thing rip. Jaden Daniels extending the play with his legs, throwing the football down the field. Miles don't give you that element. That's the difference between those two. Look, if LSU wanted to play less Miles-style football, Miles Brennan would be okay. In the modern day game, I don't think he's that guy. Feel bad for him. That guy gave hey, that guy gave it all to LSU. Gave everything. Came back time and time again from injury. Fought through adversity. Sat through multiple QBs. Saw, sat behind Joey B. Had to get injured. Went to the transfer portal. Thought about leaving. Decided to come back after all that. Kind of, you know, came back and still fought for the job. Didn't win it. Said, hey, you know what? I'm good. I'm gonna go ahead and start a career. Get married. I'm. I'm. You know, maybe football. He's 24. Over for him. You know. Hey, come on, like, man. He was a six-year senior. Yeah. I'm I mean, a- and he's had a he's he's had a litany of injury history. I mean, at this point, I I, I probably would have called it too because it's like, look, if I'm third, and I'm legitimately third on the depth chart, and this was my last opportunity, and I know I have no chance, and I'm not even it. second. The kid saw it. He knows he the knew. writing on the wall. He saw it. He knows those other two guys are better than he was. You know, I, I condemn Miles for fighting as hard as he did. A lot of guys, hey, in today's day and age, <laughs> a lot of guys would have packed it up a long time ago. They would have left a long time ago. A lot of people would have left after Joey, after yeah. Joe Burrow. Yeah. Miles, Miles stuck it out. Realized, hey, look, football, I don't have a career in this. I'm going to go start a career. Neither. I've already, I've already graduated. The team, the coaching staff, and the player himself, none of them owed it each other anything. No. And, and none of them have any bad things to say about the other either. I think it was a very um, clean break, and I, I, I wish Miles the best. But, yeah, T, I don't think LSU gave Miles Brennan a raw deal at all. Look, this is a business. We're here to win football games. Just because you have seniority, we ain't, we're not playing you over somebody else. This ain't the corporate world. You don't get more vacation just because you've been here longer. You got to feel like you're going to give yourself the best chance to win. Yeah, this ain't no T-ball mentality. This is a business college football. Best guy's going to play. And I, I, I look, nothing against Miles. Those other two guys are just different. They're more apt to what the modern-day game is. I don't think Miles would have gave you much in the running game at all. Couldn't do a lot of zone read stuff with Miles. I, I, look, I don't want to keep dogging on the kid. I, I, I think it was the writing was on the wall. He saw it. He decided to step away. And wish him the best of luck. He gave LSU everything he had. I think he should go down as an LSU Tiger. He has a national championship ring. He has a degree. Tip the cat. Tip tip your cap to that young man. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I don't agree with that. That sounds like one of them group chats that just like to start arguments. T. Stay away from them guys, man. <laughs> Stay away from them guys. T. They just try to get you amped up, man. They just try to get you going. If you guys want to join us, though, and have any kind of conversation, hey, we open anything. You can join us at the game hotline, 337-706-0111. James, is there somebody that you don't want to see play for the Saints tonight? Uh, I mean, not necessarily. Initially, I was saying don't start your starters at this point. This is supposed to be the, the game that the starters play the most. Game three. That's typically when you're going to see the most work from your starters. Now, over the last couple of years, people don't play starters at all anymore. 
<laughs> it kind of just depends on the coaching staff, which I think is crazy. I, I, I I'm a man. I, I want to see Jameis tonight. I want to see Jameis spin it tonight. I don't care if it's for a series or two. I want to see him get out there tonight. I was gonna say, give me the first quarter. Give me the first two or three drives of the game. That's all I want. Even if it's just as far as getting his cadence down and taking the, the center quarterback exchange and handing the football off to whoever's behind him. If that's all he does, I don't care. I want to see him. Get I don't want to. I don't want to see Camara. That's so no Camara. I don't want to see. Camara. You don't want to see. Okay. I don't want to see Camara. I want to see Juice. I want to see Mike if we can get him out there. If Mike's still a little banged up, he sat out of practice. What twice this week? Yeah, him. Him and Adam Trotman hadn't been practicing the whole week. Yeah. Yeah, you ain't gonna see those guys. Yeah, I would want to see him if he was good to go because sometimes you never know. It's like a last minute thing. Like, oh yeah, my. My ankle's feeling a lot better now. But the only one that I wouldn't want to see on the field is Kamara because he's already going to have such a big focal point, whereas everybody else is either just now joining the team or coming back from an injury. Who do you think this game's the most important for? Between, like, a certain player? Yeah. Who's fighting that hard for a a roster spot right now that you really think this game's that important to him? You think the writing's on the wall, Jawan Johnson's out? He's the odd man guy. No, if anything, I believe Nick Vanette. You think Nick Vanette? So I'm a. I'm a carry three. I'm a big Jawan Johnson stand. Okay, right. he gives you a different element than all the other guys. Exactly, because he was a wide receiver. You've turned him into a tight end, and each year he's put on more weight and developed more as a blocker, while he's still being a receiving and vertical threat. So having him as your third option, you saw him a lot on the field. You saw him a good bit more than you saw Adam Trotman. Adam Trotman was the majority guy, but you you saw your tight end three more often than well, if you're gonna you flex usually him, would. Yeah, if you run an offense where you got to flex somebody out, you want to flex out Jawan and not not Troutman. Yeah, because you can you can do a lot more with Jawan than you can do with Nick. Oh, yeah. So I mean, no no offense to Nick, but Nick's just kind of a run-of-the-mill, a, a do-it-all tight end. He's you don't just, have a special he's just trait, that ge- right? Yeah, he's just that generic, generic tight end. Yeah. I like to see uh, Tr- Trevor Penning a little bounce back game tonight too. Yeah, he he had a he had a yeah. lot better of a run game against the Texans. Passing game he really struggled. It got better last game when it came to both. You saw some significant improvement. Want to see it again? That's why the speed of the game is so important. That's why you got to get the reps. I mean, you think the guys he was going against on Saturdays and that Podunk conference? You think those guys were challenging him? No, no. The speed of the game is so different. You got to get those reps against guys that are going to play at that same speed. The defense just seems kind of locked in and solid. Yep. Seems like you know who's making the roster there. I was going to say I have I have 24 out of 25 because I have I have the Saints roster, I have all the names and I've highlighted who I believe pretty much has already solidified their roster spot. I have like 49 or 48 right now. I have, ain't got much spots to play with. No. I have 22 on the offense, the three special teams, the kicker, punter, and long snapper. And then I have 24 for the defense. So it's like, okay, well, who's who's the last guy? And for me, I'm looking at the linebackers. Is there any chance we could get a cut that nobody's talking about or nobody expecting? Hmm. One, I would say, because you've heard chitter-chatter from here and there, but overall... I don't expect Taco to make the roster. I don't expect Taco Charlton to make it because he's strictly an edge rusher and the defense likes to rotate to where it's like Malcolm Roach can be 
interior or on the outside. You could put Cam at D-tackle if you wanted to. Same thing with Peyton Turner or Marcus Davenport. So the fact that Taco doesn't do that, as well as he hasn't really flashed. He had that one sack against Jordan Love last week, but other than that, yeah, he looks his, really slow. His career, he, exactly. His career hasn't blossomed like you thought it would. Former first-round pick, never really just... A lot of people thought you'd talk about that edge rusher, that he'd live in backfields. Only 11 and a half sacks in his career so far through five years. So I, I could see him not making it. You just hear the name, though, right? And everybody remembers first-round draft I was going to say former first-rounder. You're like, so you wow. Think, oh, he's a you're, dude. You're, you're a not dude, making right? the Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, I, I, I could see that. I could see that. Uh, I mean, he, I, he's never noticeable in the preseason games, as you mentioned. He, you mentioned the sack. I had to rem- – Go back and think about it, but I do now remember the sack. And that and that, that was and that was him trying to catch Jordan Love to make sure he didn't get like a ten yard run. Yeah. So it, it wasn't him like being in the pocket; it was him running forward, and he just had to slow, trip him up. Slow would be a good term for him. Not as quick twitch as everybody. Because like you see him trying to go east west, trying to catch the tailback or whatever, or try to catch Jordan Love or whoever the quarterback is, and you're like, dude, run! <laughs> oh my god, put some pep in your step. Um, another guy, I'm looking at the secondary. Those guys seem locked in, huh? I was going to say, I, th- I think your you're 10 are locked in at this point. I I have talked about it a good bit. Get rid of DeMarcus Fields and get rid of Brian Allen. If they go, you can play him tonight, but they're not making the roster. They're pretty much just trying to show for another team to hopefully pick them up after this. But I'm also taking out Daniel Sorensen. Gone. Yeah. Okay. He's a liability on defense, and you've already pretty much got your special teams locked up. I think you already know your guys. So the only opportunity that Daniel really had was being a special teamer, and he hasn't showed out there. And everybody else, everybody else is pretty much locked in, so I'm like, all right. Long-tenured guy, a lot of experience. A lot of experience. A lot of experience. Also very slow as well. You, I remember seeing a highlight, or ju- just, a, just a collage of clips of, Tyron being more in the middle of the field or being close to the box, and then Daniel's the the free safety, and he looks back and he's like, "Really? You gave up another <laughs> deep shot again?" So, I, I I think I think Tyron's kind of maybe even also giving a little word like, "Yeah, hey, Tyron's like, hey, I don't want that guy behind get, me. Get him get the guy out of, out of there. <laughs> I don't want him on this team." <laughs> I like it. I like it. We're gonna take a quick break. When we come back, James and I are going to give you our top guys to stay away from in terms of fantasy value this year. So stick right here. Don't go anywhere. Plenty more to come on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. College football is back. It's time to enjoy the tradition, the fun, and the great offers from DraftKings Sportsbook. To celebrate the best time of the year, right now, new customers can bet just $5 on any team and get $200 in free bets instantly, win or lose. If that's not enough action, you can also place a same-game parlay for a shot at an even bigger payout. Just combine multiple bets into one, like which team will get the win, which team will score first, and more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. And best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. 
That's a call to action. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code 1037GAME. Bet just $5 on college football and get $200 in free bets instantly. That's code 1037GAME only at DraftKings Sportsbook. 21 or older, physically present in Louisiana. Select parishes only. One per new customer. Minimum $5 deposit and wager. $200 issued as $825 free bets. Restrictions apply. See terms at DraftKings.com slash sportsbook. Licensee partner Golden Nugget Lake Charles. Gambling problem? Call 1-877-770-STOP. Welcome back into the Jordy Hopeberg Show. I'm Blaine Vietar, filling in for the Blonde Bomber and having a great time with you on this Friday afternoon. Might be gloomy outside, but we're having so much fun right here on the game. You could always join us. Hit us up on the hotline at 337-706-0111. Some massive news just came through on the Twitter machine. James let me know coming in from the break. Our guy, Jameis Winston, is going to play tonight. How much? To be determined, but we get to see him under the bright lights in the Superdome. You got to expect two drives, maybe three, depending on how fast or slow the drives go and how the game is flowing. You, you got to see. He, look, he didn't play for the back half of last year. He got to get back into playing routine, seeing guys fly at him. That, give me that practice BS. Get out of here with that. Yeah, that, you, that's you, only half ass speed. I mean, come on. They don't even let. They barely let you hit the quarterbacks in real life. You think they're letting them hit them in, in practice? <laughs> practice? Move on with that BS. Come on, man. He needs to play, and he's going to play tonight. I think that's a good move. I think Matt Miguez of Crunch Time is not going to be as excited. He was adamant he didn't want to see Jameis. He's foolish, though. We, we we already told him that. He understands. James and I also want to get to some fantasy talk with all of you. We want to give you the top players to stay away from. In fantasy football this year, what do you say? Where are you on staying away from certain guys? It kind of depends on what round, like their ADP. For me, looking at the top, my biggest one would have to be Tyreek Hill. He's he's a big one. He's on a lot of guys' lists right now. I I don't trust the situation he's in now. I don't I don't trust that offense. I don't trust Tua. I'm I'm avoiding him like the plague. I agree with you there. Not to mention he's got another speedster on the opposite side in second year wide receiver Jalen Waddle. Similar style players. I don't like that. Anytime you have two similar style players on the same offense, they're gonna take away opportunities from the other. I mean, he's gonna take away balls away from from Hill all year long. So I, I let, let's stick away from him. Uh, I, I, for me, another guy that I kind of want to stay away from um, is, is DeAndre Swift. Can he really duplicate what he did last year? And another, I, I tend to stick away from players that seem to really rely on just catching passes out of the backfield or, you know, like that kind of, if that's going to be what makes you butter and that's the only thing that's going to make you valuable, then we, we need to see something a little different from you. I need to see you be more diverse. We want to head on out to the game hotline and bring on Neil. Neil, how are you on this Friday afternoon? Doing awesome, man. Just got off of work, heard you guys on, and talking my favorite sport, fantasy football. Give it to us, man. Hey, listen, I'm, uh, I'm in with RP3. And uh, Hannah finds names on their league. So uh, I hope I'm not giving too much away before our draft. But stay away from Najee. Let him be someone else's headache this year. Look, 
You don't have Big Ben there with that rag arm at the end of his career, checking down, you know, a hundred times to the to the running back. He's not going to get the volume. You're not going to get what you expect out of him, and you're going to have to pay a high price. I think that you're, you're pretty. I like Najee as a football player, as a as a every down football player in the NFL. As a fantasy player, I tend to agree with you there. Not he, not this, yeah, not this year. Yeah, I, I just don't see it, especially in that offense. There's so much in flux still in that offense. In today's yeah. day and age, you're not gonna live by the run. It's not gonna happen. No. So if you you're not taking away no. any pressure off for him, it's gonna be awfully hard for him to have you know right. huge moments this year. And look, not just that, but. He was like the lowest production of per yards per carry of any starter in the NFL last year. He was horrible with his production per uh, per yard per carry last year. It was just absolutely horrible. He'll probably get worse guys, this year too. <laughs> yeah, and the other guys you need to stay away from all the hype. Devontae Adams. Like I get that him and David Carr or Derek Carr went to the same college together, but. Honestly, who is still on the same page with their college boys after eight years? I mean, come on. You can't just expect that chemistry to still be there, plus the fact that he's got to compete against Waller, Renfro, whoever else they're going to throw out there. I mean, he's never had to compete against anybody in Green Bay, and you go from a Hall of Famer to Derek Carr. I mean, I like Derek Carr, don't get me wrong, but he's no Aaron Rodgers, and he's not gonna force the ball like Rodgers did well I actually actually disagree with you pretty heavily on this one I think that having other weapons around him is gonna make him more valuable that's gonna take away coverage off of him and give him more opportunities to get open so I I, in some situations I I, it, it could definitely hurt him to have more options to throw to but who else you were trying to double team in that on that Packers team nobody yeah, I mean, well, that's the thing is that, I mean, he was double, triple covered. You knew who he was going to, and you still couldn't stop him. But that was because Aaron Rodgers forced the ball every single time to Devontae. That was his boy, and he got all the red zone targets. Who gets all the red zone targets in, in Vegas? Waller. Waller. I mean. Who's going to be it, wide it, receiver one this year? Not even close. Who's wide receiver one hey, for you this year? Oh, man. <sighs> I, I love look being a Washington fan. I love my boy Kirk Cousins, even though he's still he's not with Washington. But that was my boy, and I think that his number one, Justin Jefferson, definitely has the ability to be the number one, especially with a new pass he, pass heavy offense coming into Minnesota. I, I agree there. These would be big time play for me early in drafts. I appreciate the call, Neil. I hope you have a good weekend. Thank you, guys. I, I agree with Neil there. I think I think Jet. Justin Jefferson is going to be a a problem in the NFL for for defensive backs. That guy just gets open, knows how to read coverages, find the soft spots. He's going to get open, and him and Cousins seem to building that that rapport. I, I think he's going to be really really good this year. Um, he he's going to be the first wide receiver off the board for me if I take one first. I I, I just don't see. Cup being able to replicate the success he had last year. He was just too damn good. I can't see him having the same season he did a year ago. We're going to step aside and take a quick break. When you come back, 
Mike Scarborough is going to join us, and we're going to see if we can get some more insight to the LSU quarterback battle right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Download the free The Game mobile app for Android and Apple devices. No matter where you are in the country, you can listen to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to the Jordy Holtberg Show. I'm Blaine Vietar filling in for the Blonde Bomber. And we're not going to waste any time. We're going to head straight out to the game hotline and bring on our guy, Mike Scarborough, to talk a little LSU. Mike, how goes it on this Friday afternoon? Hey, man, just uh, getting a little rest before I head out for some more jamboree action after last night. And then, of course, tomorrow we get another our, our last media opportunity for football practice out at LSU. And then the game week will be here. It's on us. It's on us. And everybody wants to talk about the same subject. We've been beating it to death. And Brian Kelly still hasn't named the starter. Where are you right now in the 11th hour as LSU closes in to make their call on who's going to be the signal caller for LSU? I, I thought since the first week of camp that it was going to end up being Daniels. I still think that is, that's how it's going to be. But I think regardless, both quarterbacks are going to play. And I think both are going to play a significant amount. And um, if one guy isn't getting it done, Kelly and, and Denbrock are not going to hesitate to to put the other guy in and, and keep doing it until they find a hot hand. It doesn't really matter who the quarterback is, as when you got wide receivers as LSU has this year, it's an embarrassment of riches. Right now, the Acadiana product, Malik Neighbors, has been the star of spring or excuse me, of fall camp. What can you tell us about Malik Neighbors, and what kind of season can we expect from the young man? Yeah, now someone was messaging me this morning asking me if it was true that there was a rumor out there he had gotten nicked up. I, I I haven't heard any of that yet or, or confirmed any of that, but he has had a phenomenal camp. Of course, we know what Kayshawn Boutte can do uh, when he's healthy, and uh, he is. Um, so, you know, the Lafayette Acadiana area is, has been very good to, uh, to LSU. Jack Besh participated. Um, in last Saturday's scrimmage, had a couple of receptions. So he's back after uh, being injured. And so, and Jare Jenkins is, is another one who's had a fa- fantastic camp. So the receiving court at LSU is, is absolutely loaded. And of course, Brian Thomas, um, they hope that uh, Chris Hilton uh, can, can be a guy at some point, but he, he's got to get through having all these soft tissue injuries that he continues to have. Last year, LSU's defense, very vanilla. You saw the talent there, just didn't send a lot of pressure. What kind of defense can we expect with House this year, and how aggressive will he be? Well, I think he's going to be multiple. Um, you know, we've heard different things from Ojalari about where he's going to line up and whether he's going to be offset or standing up on the line. Um, you've got a slew of defensive linemen that you're going to be able to rotate in and out. Um, that's another group that's uh, uh, extremely healthy. Um, I mean, one thing that you're seeing now is you're heading towards game week. Knock on wood, unless we see something different tomorrow. Um, it's amazing how much LSU has avoided, uh, you know, bad injuries. And so, when you're going to be able to rotate uh, Jaquelin Roy and and Ali Gay and uh, with Jacoby and Guillory, and of course, uh, you got Ojalari, Mason Smith. Uh, we're going to see Savion Jones, I think, in a much bigger way this year. Um, 
Wingo. I mean, you, you, you've got a lot of bodies there that can just wear some people down. It's an embarrassment of riches up front for the Tigers on defense, and, and thankfully so because it feels like they still can't sort out these defensive backs. You know, the cornerback positions seem kind of in flux. You don't know who's going to be really starting out on the perimeter. seems like you know who they like at safety, but we still don't know who those two cornerbacks are going to be. Yeah, um, but like Brian Kelly said uh, about a week ago, while we're all sitting here thinking it's not going to be anything what you're used to, with DBU, when he starts rattling off the list of possibilities and the names, he likes what he has to work with. And so I think when you combine that with a defensive front that you think is going to be able to apply pressure, and while you don't have a Stingley or a Claiborne or a Peterson or a Matthew back there, I think you've got some guys who that can be better than average. So, um, the hope is is they're just not absolutely dismantled and, and have a hard time guarding elite SEC receivers uh, later in the year, um, but we'll see. But that you know that that's definitely a position that I think in the next year or two that they're going to continue to upgrade in recruiting. Mike Scarborough joining us right now in the game hotline, talking all things LSU. Mike on. The tight end position, it was nice to hear Brian Kelly last night just gush about Mason Taylor. Can you tell us what you saw from that young man so far out in camp? Man, I tell you, when I first saw him back in June when all the football players were working the high school camp and just seeing him, uh, you know, in shorts and, and, and working the high school tight ends, I couldn't believe what he looked like physically. And then now that we've seen him out of practice, it, it was obvious that, that he's, he's something else. Now, I guess three weeks in the, in the, in the fall camp, uh, BK let it fly last night about what he truly thinks. And so um, I think he could absolutely be a devastating tight end. Where you think you've got a handle on all these wide receivers for LSU, and then all of a sudden you can hit uh, a guy like him Who's what about six four, six five, legit, um, over the middle, and who, who can catch, uh, long arms and athletic? Uh, th- that's devastating to a defense. Looking at LSU's offensive line a year ago, big question mark throughout the year, kind of struggled. Seems like though that they kind of got off to the right footing right now. They got guys they like. They could go seven deep, eight deep at the positions. Who who do you think ultimately lines up left to right for the Tigers? Well, I think it all starts with Will Campbell, and they, and they talked about uh, you know moving wire out right, and then the you know Dellinger is going to be your center, and then you start rotating uh, it, some of those other guys. How soon does Emory Jones take a spot? Um, but I think it all starts with those three. You're, you're having your left tackle in Campbell, your right in wire, Dellinger at center. And then what you do with the guards and rotating them, I, I think you've got multiple options there. So I think when you watch them next next Sunday and you're watching, I think those three positions right there are going to be your consistent, and then your guards are going to get moved around. What's your regardless, biggest? Regardless of who starts. What seems to be your still your biggest question mark outside of quarterback as we head into this first game? I've been getting worried about place kicking. I. When you've got seven or eight games on the schedule, that can be the difference between seven and five or nine, nine and three. Um, 
multiple games that you would either say are toss-ups or even, or because you're on the road, the 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 point spread might be three or four points. Um, I, I you know, I, I think field goal kicking is, is is until I see it is is a concern for me. Uh, Bramlett obviously a punter is going to be fine. Uh, they've got athletes there for return in the return game, but. I, I'm worried about field goal kicking. Um, and, look, there's still some worries to be had with, with defensive back. I know they've, he, he's got some numbers there to play with. Um, but you want to see that. You want to see the offensive line get better in each and every week. Um, but I, I do think LSU could be a, a very dangerous football team. When you look at the SEC West and outside of Alabama, and you're saying, well, what's the difference between – Alabama, I mean, uh, Texas A&M, LSU, Arkansas, Auburn, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, every one of those teams has question marks. And so which teams is going to be coached better? Which team's going to be more disciplined? Which team's going to have uh, a better injury situation as the weeks start to pile up? Uh, that'll be the difference. Of course, going into it, we know LSU's got to go on the road, you know, to Auburn, to Florida, to Texas A&M, Tennessee at home. Um, so – I think that it's pivotal for LSU, obviously, to get past Florida State and and get that first SEC win against Mississippi State in September. If they could somehow get out of September um, undefeated, then I think they can uh, get to where they need to be as far as reaching expectations. And I, I think probably most people are is in the are in the eight and four category when it comes to that. How big of an issue is it, or how big of a uh... How big is it that Florida State's actually playing a game tomorrow? Um, I think that aids them as far as routine. Um, press box to sideline, uh, relaying the plays and making calls. I think there, there, there's some things that can help them there. Um, you know, last year we all poo-pooed uh, UCLA getting a game before LSU and uh, I don't know if that made a difference or not, or, or LSU having to get prepared in, in Houston. Um, but you would prefer that they didn't have a game. I think it can aid them. Um, but it can also give them a false sense of security about how good they actually might be. Wrapping up right now with Mike Scarborough, talking LSU-Florida State opener in just a little over a week in New Orleans. How do you see that game shaking out? Do you think it's going to be a defensive struggle and the offenses kind of get their footing a little later? Or do you think this game has a chance for we see a lot of points being scored? Man, I, I just – I've been saying it all off season. Maybe I'm wrong. I, I just think LSU is going to want to run the football and, and, and really make a statement with the offensive front that they're dedicated to having a strong running game. Um. But look, when you when you've got the receivers you've got, and and I'm also wondering if you know if J- Daniels is the guy, you know what might his rushing total be at the end of the night? I think they've got some design runs for him. He's so dangerous. Um, I don't know. I, I tend to think the split's going to be sixty forty run versus pass. Uh, but maybe I'll be wrong, and they're going to come out slinging it right off the bat. But. Um, you think Noah King gets about 20? I don't, know what, I don't know how many points are going to be scored, um, but I think Brian Kelly is going to want to send a message that uh, they're serious about having a, a power running game. You think and Noah after King? What we've seen the last two years, I'm for it. You think Noah King could get 20 to 25 carries in that ball game? That might be a little high because I, I think Armani Goodwins has had as good a camp as him. 
but maybe because um, and, and then you're going to want to get Daniels involved. Um, you know, they're going to play three or four running backs in the foot in the football game. So, um, and then you know you're going to have the passes to, to backs. Um, so we'll see. Well, Mike, I appreciate the time, man. I hope you have a wonderful weekend. I'll see you in New Orleans. All right, man. See you then. Thanks. Talk soon. Mike Scarborough breaking all things down LSU with us. We're going to take a quick break for the last time today. When we come back, we're going to wrap up your week right here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Football season is here in the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to crown you the tailgating king with the ultimate tailgate giveaway powered by St. Landry Lumber. Austin Outdoors and the game. You can score $500 to chop specialty meats, a brand new grill with accessories, a cooler, a set of chairs, a $500 Visa gift card, tickets to LSU and Raging Cajuns football games, and so much more. Enter in the Game Rewards Club at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's the ultimate tailgate giveaway powered by St. Landry Lumber, Austin Outdoors, and the game. Welcome back in for the last time this week. It's the Jordy Holberg Show, and I'm Blaine Vietor taking the spot of the Blonde Bomber himself. And we've had a lot of fun this week. And you could still have a lot of fun tonight if you head out to Cajun Field and catch the Kiwanis Jamboree, where Lafayette High is going to take on Notre Dame tonight at 6 p.m. Follow that up at 7.30, Cecilia and St. Thomas More. Of course, St. Thomas More could be heard throughout this year on 103.7 The Game with Danny Jones and company bringing you all the action. At 9 o'clock tonight, Northside's going to take on Acadiana, and we're going to welcome Acadiana to our family of networks this year. You could hear Monty Hanks and Cole Gilbo over on MeTV, FM 97.7, all season long. Exciting. A lot of fun, a lot of new faces into our high school broadcast this year, and we're awfully excited about that. Of course, you could always hear Ben Love and myself for Karen Crow High Golden Bears football on Z1059 all season long. Shameless plug, James. No, no harm in that, right? No, of course not. We love that. <laughs> and if anything, if you want us to ask him Cougars, you can hear it right here on this station. Yeah. Of course, Danny Danny might even sell a spot for that. <laughs> oh, Danny might, might have sold three already. <laughs> but we've had a lot of fun all week long. We, we broke down heavily on the, on the college football landscape. I know next week's going to probably be a lot of – a lot more of the college football as we gear up to the Raging Cajuns opening their season just seven days away against Southeastern at Cajun Field and the Tigers a day later inside the Superdome when they take on the Florida State Seminoles. Of course, tonight, too, you could always catch the Astros as they continue look to continue their, their win streak and add to their lead in the American League. First pitch will be at 7-10, and all that action could be heard on the game right here and of course my guy James is going to get to stick around and do crunch time with Miguez and Mesh they'll have a lot of fun for y'all what kind of fun you guys got brewing up for the good folks on crunch time well we're gonna have Jake's takes like we always do at five o'clock on Fridays we're gonna talk about a little high school story that one involves Oreos and hot sauce 
it's definitely a very interesting read. And I, I'm either Matt or I, one of us is going to read it out loud. And I'm going to tell you that that's very entertaining. I remember showing that to one of my buddies in one of our group chats. And he said, is that going to be our punishment for last place in fantasy this year? <laughs> the last place in fantasy bets have been cracking me up throughout uh, th this offseason and coming in into draft day. It's been pretty funny, too. I saw uh, a couple groups, too, doing 40-yard 40, 40 dashes to see who gets first pick. And an interesting one is guys created a Tinder profile, then asked the girls to <laughs> rank all 12 guys in the league, and that's how they <laughs> determine the draft order. I'm not saying I condone that kind of behavior. I just thought it was an interesting take that one's on how funny. to establish a draft order. <laughs> I I like the idea of the 40-yard dash. The only thing about it is, for me, one of my league mates is my cousin, and he lives in California. <sighs> so it would have been a little more difficult yeah. for, for us to do a 40-yard dash and have our, have our own stopwatch while he has his own. You never know. I'm I mean, I, I believe he'd be truthful – on what his time was, but you never know. Hey, when it comes to fantasy football, we ain't trust nobody, dude. That's what I'm saying. I can't, <laughs> I, I can't give the benefit of the doubt. We don't trust nobody. I, my draft's not until the Wednesday before the first game, so I, I got oh, a little okay. bit more time. Um, that'll be a fun week coming off of college football and gearing up for the NFL. Looking forward to that. Ours is going to be September 4th. Okay. Uh, my, my regular league. Yeah. For, for the station league, that's going to be – the next day on Monday. Where y'all doing that at, at Giraffe? Like for the league, the, for the my, station league, the station league. It's just gonna be online. Oh, okay, I thought so you were having a, we'll a, a we'll gathering. do it. We'll do nah. We'll we'll do it after the show at six thirty, and Matt Matt and I will just do it on our computers right here in the station. Well, I'm sure you guys will have a good time with that. I want to thank everybody for tuning in this week. I had such a great time with everyone Wednesday through Friday. Look to be back real soon with y'all. Also, want to thank TJ Penninger of Double. Fry's No Slaw podcast, who gave us his takes on LSU and Florida State. Also want to thank Mike Scarborough, who joined us in the last segment where we broke down LSU's depth chart, talk quarterback battle, and more. Also want to thank my boy T. Not only did he call once, he called twice. Always appreciate T reaching out, as well as Neil calling in to talk about fantasy. Also want to thank everybody who listened this week. It was such a good time. Can't wait to be back with everybody around here again. My boy James and Matt have you covered next, so don't go anywhere and stick around for crunch time right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.